Hey there, McSauce casters. It's Matt from the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. Now, as many of you guys know, we here at the McSauce Comic Book Podcast are a pretty nostalgic bunch. We have really fond memories of our childhoods, uh, especially when it comes to the toys that we used to play with when we were growing up. Well, the sad reality is that there are some kids out there that actually don't have the opportunity to make those kind of lasting memories. And we don't want that to happen. We want uh, every kid this holiday season to, to have a toy that they cherish and can have memories that they can have for years and years to come. And, well, that's where you come in. We need your help. What we're doing is we're looking for donations for this year's McSauce Comic Book Podcast Toys for Tots Charity Drive. This is the fourth annual charity drive. What we like to do is get as much money as our faithful listeners are willing to donate, and we go on a shopping spree to Toys R Us, and we buy every toy that we can that is related to the things that we talk about here on McSauce. Comic books, superheroes, Star Wars, activities, coloring books, puzzles. Uh, We try to stretch the dollar as far as we can. And we load up a cart, and then we donate it to Toys for Tots. But this year, there's actually a little wrinkle that we're adding. If you donate $50 or more, you are eligible to request either myself, Paul, or Ian, or any combination of the three of us to do a commission especially for you. So it's really easy to donate. All you have to do is go to mcsauce.com. Right at the top of the page, you will see the donate button. Click the donate button, select your dollar amount, and hit donate. We are really hoping that you will feel really charitable this year because we actually set a pretty lofty goal. We're hoping to raise $1,000 this year. So um, if you can spare anything, that would be incredibly appreciated. And keep in mind, the cutoff is Friday, December 9th. So please don't hesitate to donate. And we'll let you know what we end up getting. So thank you and Merry Christmas. Welcome to episode 172 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian the Sauce Sharply. Hello. And Matt Casal. Hello. It is Monday night, November 14th, and tonight we're going to do a little What You Been Reading. We, I feel like we haven't talked comic books in probably about 171 episodes. I don't think that's fair. Didn't we do... We did a whole bashing Marvel thing, like, uh, two months ago, right? Yeah, yeah, and technically, uh, covering EW's 50 most powerful characters was talking comic books, even though I'm sure the people that put that list together never opened a fucking comic book. So tonight, we're gonna talk a little what you've been reading. Uh, we haven't really... I don't think we've done 
Oh, what you've been reading in a while? I don't think we've been reading much to do it. So I burned through about nine books. It's on like three days ago on Saturday. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. It was it was Comic Central. Up in well, here. you were, you you were uh, on vacation. I was no time for comic books on vacation. No time for anything but. Didn't you bring any comics with eating. you for the traveling? I did. I actually did. I read uh, Walking Dead volume twenty something or other. Oh, there you go. I don't know. Yeah. So bullshit. No time. For I read comics. that. There's I read uh, Future Quest number. How long of number a flight five, is it? Number to, five or six to L.A. You got comic book time. It's about five hours. Um, so how many comic books can you read in five hours? What four, well, five? Brian and I <laughs> watched A New Hope on the way out. And then on the way back, it was it was comic. And How sleep did you time. guys watch A New Hope together? Did you share earbuds? Uh, I got a I got a splitter. Oh, oh. dude, nice. That's thinking so, ahead. Okay. Yeah, it was super straight. Sounds gay. There were, we saved all the gayness for once we touched down. Touch tips. That's why I said for when we touch tips. So why don't we kick off tonight's episode? This special edition of November, which I've been reading with uh, housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. This feels so weird sitting <laughs> sitting down here in the what? Are we, this is this is the the new studio. Yeah, this, but. this well, it is the new studio. We've only recorded down here one other time. We recorded the uh, tattoo <laughs> the tattoo <ink> episode, drenched <laughs> episode. <laughs> That I, I don't think we got a lot of good feedback on the tattooing in the background. But now we have new microphones and a kind of new setup. It's a very professional studio environment, I think. Yeah, some some lit candles. It's it's comfy. I feel like uh, it sounds good to me right now. I'm, I'm not sure. Oh, bless you, Matt. Uh, Matt Cassell, everyone. That was his sneeze. He might be asleep in the next uh, in the next 15 minutes here. Wait, what? You look like you're going to get all comfy cozy over did, there. Did you see what I did? I I turned the light on my uh, phone oh, and shined it in my sneeze. face. Did, have you ever heard that one out of three people actually react to light as like a, a stimulant to sneeze? Isn't it because, isn't it supposed to be sunlight, right? And sunlight, or bright lights. Any bright lights will do it, but sunlight is the most effective I hear that it's because the light kicks up the dust particles, and that's what makes you sneeze. I thought no, I, don't I think thought so. looking at the light was supposed to stop you from sneezing. It definitely does not stop you. It helps get it out. Like if you're struggling to get that that sneeze out, the light helps. So I take it, Ian and Paul, the light doesn't do shit for you to make you sneeze. I'm no, one out of three. I've, I've How about used, that? I've been using it wrong all this time. Right. It's does it shut you down like when you're about to sneeze, do you look into the No, sun? I always thought that was the myth. I never tried it because I love sneezing. Sneezing feels so fucking good. It's like my face is coming. You're a ve- you're a very <laughs> nasally person. You're you're into your like uh Kleenex in your particular ritual of drilling the boogers out of your nose which is you gotta get disturbing out matt does the same fucking thing i think he that you know why because he learned it from you paul <laughs> yeah i love sneezing i don't i never want to stop myself from sneezing i mean maybe if i'm going on like you know minute 
45 of sneezing. Maybe we can wrap it up, but yeah, good fucking sneeze, just, just letting it all out. Oh, cleans feels, it all out. Yeah. Feels so good. It's super weird. Yeah. Well, the what it comes down to is that I don't get sick. You say that, but your constant your allergies are always crazy. Like you're always sneezing because you have allergies. You always appear to be sort of sick. Right. And that's 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 the trade-off. Uh I never get debilitatingly sick. You don't. I, I'm I'll never laid up for, for a week in bed or on the couch. Like I'm always up and mobile. I'm always ready to go, but um I'm always congested to some extent. I may be allergic to the new studio just as a warning. Uh cuz I feel very oh, buddy, allergic I'm not right now. Yeah. yeah. Why but, would you be allergic? What, what would I? I don't know, but I I feel like there's going to be this could be a very sneeze rot episode on my behalf, and I I don't know I don't know what to expect. We'll try it out. We'll, we'll see. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll test. I'm it not out a saying bit. let's wrap it here and call it a, an episode, and you know we'll try next week in a different location. No, I'm going to tough this thing out. How amazing would that be if we just wrapped it up because you were <clears throat> sneezy? I'd love that. All right. Well, why don't we why don't we get into this thing? I'm gonna do the you know the plugs for us real quick here. Mixos.com, web comics, reviews of comic books, a podcast that you are listening to right now. You can also hit us up on the Facebook page, uh, Facebook slash Mixos. You can find us on Instagram. We post some stuff on Instagram. Is our Instagram uh, presence... Uh, we've really upped our game with Instagram. Um, or is our main bread and butter still Facebook, would you say, Ian? I would say so. I think that's how a lot of people find... Facebook is the front page of the internet for a lot of people. So yeah, I think that a lot of people find... they. That's when they find out whenever we post new strips, whenever the uh, podcast is up. Half the time I find out that the podcast is up through Facebook. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think that Facebook's the main thing, but Instagram's kind of where we've been putting a lot of unfinished art or um, just kind of different things that sort of a behind-the-scenes look to... Yeah, you've been the- putting some cool stuff up lately. Cool. Thanks, and man. yeah, I... For those of you that uh, haven't checked us out on Instagram yet, uh, do it because it's kind of a treat. Ian's really putting some cool stuff up there. Thanks, man. So, yeah, um, mixauce.com. Check out the Facebook page. Type mixauce into any one of your social media devices, and I'm pretty sure that you'll be able to find us. So, that's what's going on there. Not that I missed Toys for Tots talk. No, you didn't. Uh, you you came back just in time for it. Uh, Toys for Tots, guys. As you know, hopefully as you know, but for the for the newbies uh, that weren't here last year, <clears throat> we here at the McSauce Comic Book Podcast do a charity every single year, and we call it the Toys for Tots Com- McSauce Comic Book Podcast Charity Drive. Uh, now, we didn't come up with Toys for Tots. I believe the Marines uh, kind of owned that one, but we kind of piggybacked it. And um, what we like to do is we like to raise money to essentially take to Toys R Us on a shopping spree to buy toys. 
And we what we like to do is we buy toys for uh, kids that represent the things that we talk about here on the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. So things like giant dildos and uh, inflatable blow-up dolls, things like that. I'm just kidding. We also talk about superheroes. <laughs> the bulk of our shopping trip is spent at Spencer's. <laughs> um, adult world. Or the, or the outer it's skin. adult mart, okay? Oh, Come on, Ian. You've been there. I have. Yeah? I mean, whenever it was called Monroeville News. <laughs> oh, Brian and I stopped when we were in L.A. Those, like, um, the... Uh, the like torsos you can fuck. I feel expensive. like this is this is the worst talk to to kind of interject in the middle of our Toys for Todd's charity drive. But it's natural. We're just flowing. Right. Yeah. So uh, okay. So getting serious for a second. What we like to do is we like to raise money, and with that money, we try to um, really stretch every dollar that we get and buy as many. Toys that are superhero related, uh, Star Wars related, um, you know, we'll buy puzzles and art supplies and just as many cool things as we can basically fit into a cart. And, you know, I think the three of us, we almost kind of get transported to when we were kids and we look at all this stuff like, well, would I have loved this when I was a kid? And if the answer is yes, it pretty much ends up in the cart. Um, and what we do is at the end of the shopping, uh, spree, we donate everything to, um, Toys for Tots. So we've done it for three years in a row. This is going to be the fourth year. Um, it is one of my favorite moments of the year to do it. Um, I, I you think mean opposed to when we do Toys for Tots in June. Uh, no, as opposed to other moments of the year. It's, it's one of the highlights of my year. Uh, I know it's no L.A. trip, um, mm. but uh, for me, it is my L.A. trip. I, I really, truly enjoy doing it. Um, and I, I think, what was our, our max ever? About $600? Yeah, I think the second year that we did it, we had around $630. Somewhere yeah, around. and I think part of the problem was last year we got a little bit of a late start. But uh, this year, we've got plenty of time. Um, I don't think we actually have a deadline. It's probably going to be somewhere in the middle of December. So we're looking at about a month to try to raise some money. So, guys, we haven't talked about this at all. Um, do you think $1,000 is reasonable to try to raise? I think it's always good to shoot for the moon because if you miss, you end up in the stars. Well, let's so. shoot for the moon. Well, I what, wanna... I was, what I was thinking earlier was that um, Ian has been a prolific artist. Over the last couple couple months, just banging stuff out, banging stuff out. It's taken me a little bit longer. Uh, I finally got a couple commissions finished. I'm still working on a Soultron piece that I'm doing, but I've really been really been enjoying doing this stuff. So I was thinking if um, if someone donates fifty dollars to the McSauce Toys for Tots drive, you would also get a commission. That's a, of your choice. Well, that's pretty cool. That's a great. Um, that's a great idea, Paul. And this will be a commission from you, Paul. Yeah, me or Ian. Or, yeah. Yeah. I'm, whoever you want, whatever you want. I'm, I'm all in too. That's a great idea, Paul. Thanks. Fifty dollars? Shit. 
Put yeah. me down. I'll do a commission too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, uh, it's got to be for for Matt. It's got to be like seventy five dollars, seventy five hundred dollars, because you'll get it in three years. I now, sometimes. When's the last time you drew something for fun? Uh, well, I did this weekend actually. No, did you? you didn't. Yes, I did. Yeah. What was it? I believe you, Matt. It was a picture of a fish. Oh, oh, you've been working, on, right. you've been working yeah. on a book. Yeah, so uh, I did another page, banged on another page over the weekend. Would so. you be cool, Matt, if we... $50, anybody can pick any artist that they would like from the McSauce podcast. Would you be in on that? Or? Y- yeah, I, that's okay. what I'm saying. I'm in not, on it. And this is not a pencil, a quick pencil drawing on 8.5 by 11. This is like a traditionally what Ian and I do are a fully rendered 11 by 17 full color like it's a it's a nice print like it's a good final printed piece of artwork it's not just a sketch something well, you'd be money. proud to hang in your living room right. of one of your loved ones getting banged by Captain America or something like that. Oh, you that know. is a commission that you did. Yeah, you know what actually might be kind of cool if somebody suggests it um, <laughs> oh, this is how Matt one does of your, commissions. One of by the your way. loved ones <laughs> banged by Captain America. It was a slow burn. Oh, you were <laughs> laughing at that. Yeah. I was laughing at Matt for suggesting. Like, it, right? Yeah. So planting uh, the seed. No, but for real, this could be kind of cool. Like for real, uh, if if it was a collaborative thing, where I don't know, like let's say Ian did the original sketch and then i took it and finished it with color or something that might be kind of neat to that, see what that would be cool that i'd would be, be into like, that you you could get a any um, combination yeah 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 like a a jam piece from the mix of course that that podcast. may be 75 dollars to like if get everyone does, involved ian does the pencils i'll put down the inks and then matt will finish the color there you go so this the way that you can this could be a lot of fun and and what I I was working on it this weekend, but this could be the only thing I enjoy about Christmas. <laughs> I was working on it this weekend, but I'm a little stupid, so <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to put the donate button on our Facebook page. I figured that that's going to be the easiest thing for people to do, um, because a lot of people have Facebook. That's how they follow us. I can try to link it to either our Facebook page, also on Mixos, or. If you go, it'll be just my PayPal. If you just go to PayPal, you can type in Ian Sharpley. You can type in the sauce at hotmail.com. You'll be able to find it. You can donate and just put in the notes that you're donating to Toys for Tots, not my, um, you know, sex toy business. So. Right. And if I believe if you do the PayPal and you treat it as a donation, no amount gets uh, taken out by PayPal. The full amount goes to us which in turn goes to the charity by the time that you hear this we will have ways for you to donate other than just typing that in but if you can't find it and you just you you need to and you need to donate quickly go to paypal donation the sauce at hotmail.com so uh i know that we have a ton of a ton of fans we have a ton of followers on facebook um please seriously everyone if everyone donated five dollars we could hit a thousand um, and that's kind of awesome. If everyone donated busy, busy. If everyone donated what? 50, we'd be really busy. <laughs> if everyone donated busy, we'd be really 50. Is right. that what you almost said? Um, that's what was on the way out. Yeah, that's it, true. But 
fuck it. That would be awesome. And yeah, be amazing. I, look, I know a thousand dollars is a lofty goal, but that's what I want it to be. I want it to be a thousand. And um, yeah, please, everyone donate. Please, we'll donate. We're gonna donate. We always donate. And and we're gonna we're gonna draw. So we're gonna do it all for. for we have five hundred and ninety six fans on Facebook. If they all donated five dollars, we would have two thousand nine hundred and eighty dollars. So, so listen up. Don't think someone else is gonna do it. Someone else is gonna put in my five bucks. Don't be a. I know where you're going. Don't, Don't. be a jagoff. <laughs> Just put in. You are you put in five bucks. <laughs> do you need that fucking baconator? Just put in fucking five bucks. I'm gonna sacrifice my own baconator at some point in the next couple months. You might need that baconator to fuel you for all those commissions you're going to be working yeah, on. Yeah, like that's in, actually it's, really it's exciting. This is a great idea. I I can't wait to do this with you guys. Put in put in five bucks. You got it. You can make it happen. So okay, that's it. Uh, we're gonna bug you again next week about it. Um, we better start seeing those uh, those donations rolling in this week, though. But uh, we're here to talk about comic books, Paul. We've been reading comics that we've read. Little what you've Who been knew? reading started out as a little segment, a hundred and some episodes ago, and now it's <laughs> it's grown into a, a full episode when we've got nothing else to talk about. Well, yeah, right. It was originally going to be a weekly segment. We would quickly talk about, you know, one comic book that we've each read and. That was back when our show was two hours long. Now we try to condense things, keep it at about an hour, um, 20 minutes of which we've already gone through. Can you believe it? What we yeah. have gotten better <laughs> at, it. we have uh, gotten better at flexing all of our topics out and stretching them out so that they take up way more time than they used to. <laughs> so who wants, to, who wants to start? Ian, you read... You read one book today, and it ties into the to a book that I want to talk about. So why don't we start? Right with, on. Yeah, yeah. Let's why don't go, we start with your? Let's pick? go back and forth here. Um, I did read Doom Patrol number one awesome. from DC Comics, DC's Young Animal imprint. Um, Gerard Way of Umbrella Academy, also of My Chemical Romance, and artist Nick Darrington. Darrington. Darrington? Darrington. I like Darrington. <laughs> Darrington. <laughs> um, Doom Patrol, old property from the 1980s, most popular, mo- most fame made popular by Grant Morrison with his take, uh, his sort of oddball take on DC Heroes. I think it was right around the time he also might have done Animal Man at that point. Yeah, is, was this... Um was this around the time he was doing Trans Atlanta? That's Trans Metropolitan. Trans Metropolitan. Trans Metropolitan, but no, because I was Warren Ellis. Uh, it was that same. Come on, Paul. I I get it. It was that same kind of like goofy stuff, but that's a that was a Vertigo. Was Animal Man also Vertigo back in the day? Yeah, I think. And Doom yeah, Patrol was. also was Vertigo, not DC proper. Okay. 
I never, I never read Doom Patrol. I never got into really. No, I, I didn't. It seems like you didn't it would be... pick it up in the um, mid two thousands. No, I didn't. Whenever they reissued, when Keith it, Giffen was writing it. I didn't. Did you? Yeah, yeah. it was re- it was really good. I really liked that version of the team because they folded it into the greater DC universe. And I thought what they what Keith Giffen really did well with it was that he made Doom Patrol still weird and on like the outskirts of super super heroics. Uh, it was still really goofy. They were still all really dis- dysfunctional characters. But he found a little niche for it in the greater DCU where like Superman and Batman would still find value in what this team's doing. The I, I don't know anything about Doom Patrol other than they were a Grant Morrison thing. This would be a quirky and strange book. The only reason why I picked it up was because I like Gerard Way's writing. I love Umbrella Academy. I wish that he would go back to that and re, you know put yeah. some more installments of that book out. And I I'm excited to read more of the um, more of his writing with Doom Patrol. I mean, like I read this first issue. You said that you've read the first three issues. I didn't know what to expect. Just going from one issue, I I got some weirdness. We got some. Um, I I'm trying to think that. that <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to describe. I mean, it. like, it. I I don't know really. I don't know what happened in this issue really. <laughs> I mean, it's like. Fucking- Crazy. It, it, am I right? Where that robot came out of the gyro is—is is that right? <laughs> Did I see that? <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Cliff okay. Steel robot man came out of an alternate dimension that was housed in a gyro, and then somebody's roommate got turned into birthday cake and died. Yeah, that like, was the weirdest thing. That was the weirdest thing for me at, at the end of issue number one. That, um. Casey Brink, the main character in the story, our entry character to this Doom Patrol world, um, she lives with this kind. Of, she lives with this roommate who's, you know, real strict, on her ass all the time, and she gets a singing telegram for her birthday. And at the end of the singing telegram, the, her her roommate explodes. But it's drawn by Nick Darrington. Like, he explodes into birthday cake. And she's covered in, like, her roommate. And it seems to be, like, a normal thing. Yeah, she didn't really flinch or have many second thoughts about that happening. And then the singing telegram murderer winds up being her roommate. Right. And she's like, oh, the the singing telegram's like, oh, it looks like you have. Like you need a roommate, I need a roommate, and then yeah, and it's it's fine, and it's so it's so bizarre. Like the the robot man coming out of the gyro, and you know like the exploding singing telegram, and like the the robot board meeting where they're talking about. I'm assuming well the turning, alien alien robot right, and they're talking about a new product of um, of mental health meat that they're going to start advertising or harvesting. 
I'm figuring that this is going to be humans or something like that, but I don't know. There was so much, and this was probably the wrong book for me to read to try to explain to the audience because <laughs> I have no idea what the hell happened. I'm glad you read three of them. Did it make any more sense later on? Yes. Okay. Because after the, like, I've, I'm a big Gerard Way fan. I feel like, um, you know, he's tapped the music market. You know, he's done, you know, comics. He is, and he's an artist. He can draw. Like, he can do all these different things. And he seems to do all these things exceptionally. So, like, just... Kind of like McSauce's own Billy Martin. Go ahead. Yeah. Yep. Um, like, having all that fucking shit bouncing around in your brain so like so successfully to be able to like apply yourself to these different fields and make it happen and you know, like i've i've listened to interviews with him you know, i've heard extended talks with him he seem he also seems like a very genuine decent person um he doesn't seem like a celebrity he just seems like a normal guy that likes making music and likes writing comic books so like Gerard Way as a person is very appealing to me so, you know, I've I read Umbrella Academy, you know, I buy the My Chemical Romance albums, the fabulous True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys comic that he did with Becky Cloonan was really fucking good. Really cool book. Um and like so yeah, like he's spearheading DC's young animal imprint. He's the he's essentially the editor in chief of this line of books that takes place in the DCU, but outside the DCU. Have there been appearances by mainstream DC <clears throat> Universe characters? No, but um, a book called Mother Panic takes place in Gotham. I think Batman does appear in that book. He will. In, in Doom Patrol, there is reference to Kryptonite and Superman. So they're like, it takes place in this universe but in such a weird, weird spot. And there's so many strange things happening. It's, it's, it's a really hard first issue to jump into. And like I want people to read this book. I want people to buy it because it makes sense the, close, the, the further you get. By the time you get to issue three, which came out last week, or yeah, last week, there's, everything starts to come together a little more like the more traditional Doom Patrol. It seems like at some point the Doom Patrol was disbanded. They were all broken out into different different dimensions or you know different worlds. And Casey Brink is the character who's responsible for trying to bring them all back together. Um, it's, and it's just it's weird and it's, it's not, bizarre. Like it's not strange in a distasteful way. I'm interested in following along. I will definitely get the next couple issues, but it is weird in a possible for me to explain this way yeah yeah and and the, and the first issue is the the issues two and three make a lot more sense they're you know they're a little more linear in the storytelling and like all the pieces of you understand all the weird stuff like the you know the meat aliens stuff like that makes more sense you know all the like like danny the street stuff makes more sense Everything starts to come together. So I hope everyone that picked up 
issue one will hang around for later issues because it's it's a really cool book. Uh, three issues in, I really like it. I love Nick Darrington's art. He's like a less weird Mike Allred or like a, a cleaner Becky Cloonan. Mm-hmm. Like, I can see I that. really I really dig his his artwork. I'm I'm enjoying this book. Yeah, so. that was that was the biggest takeaway. I really like the artwork of it. Um, the color pa- the the uh, color palette that they chose for a lot of the um, sections of the book are really interesting. As, and they break away a lot of times into different styles as well. Some colored pencil looking stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was really cool to see it shift around like that. So I'm interested. And Gerard Way, to me, always has been a, like Grant Morrison Jr., sort of because he, he has high minded I- ideas. But high he concept. N- high concept. But he can always. Like he brings it down a notch where it's not <laughs> where unaccessible. Us, us lay folk can understand, it. right? Yeah, and uh, like I also got Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. Number one, uh, co-written by Gerard Way. I forget I forget the other writer, but it's drawn by Michael Evan Oming, who did some book with. Bendis. Oh, he did Powers. He co-created Powers. With, I was gonna let you with Brian Michael Bendis. Figure it out. Thanks. And uh, that was a pretty pretty neat book too. Pretty interesting. I feel like it it is high concept. There's a lot of things there's they need to figure out themselves that you know we both may go on the journey of figuring out. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, but but that's pretty fun neat. stuff. Like that's fun, different, exciting. That you there's unknown about these books, and and I'm kind of excited about the entire Young Animal print imprint. Even though I don't know much about Shade the Changing Girl or Right um, or Mother Panic. Yeah. Yeah, and they're and they're all old characters. They're all old DC characters that they're putting a new goofy spin on. Like Cave Carson's been around. Like Cave Carson was essentially you know, back when he was created, he was Indiana Jones for our for geologists. But now like there's the cybernetic guy angle and no one really knows where it comes from right now and he's trying to like he's been at this for long enough that the superhero community knows who he is will magnus knows who he is uh, you know, he's he's raising a daughter and he's trying to deal with this mysterious cybernetic guy uh, the loss of his wife so it's they open the book in a really neat place so i haven't gotten um shade the changing girl or Mother Panic, but these first, these other two books are off to some pretty interesting starts for Young Animal. Paul, I, what I, I really what them. prompted you to go to even explore these comics? I mean, this isn't your normal mainstream wheelhouse. This is kind of off the beaten path for you. Uh, well, really, the combo of Gerard Way and the Doom Patrol. Right. Like, I always liked the Doom Patrol characters. I liked that they were kind of led by Niles Calder, the chief. He's a guy in a wheelchair and he always exploits what they he always exploits the part of these characters that they like least about themselves. Um, he makes them feel bad about themselves in order to stay subservient to him and stay in this Doom Patrol. I so like, this is like the guilt patrol. Yeah, I, I like that, but I also like how um, 
you know, Rita Farr and Negative Man and, you know, Cliff Steele, like, they're always trying to break out of that. Like, you know, they understand the hope and the goodness that's on the other side of this. They just need to keep working and keep fighting to get there, and eventually they're going to get there. So I've always liked the concept of those characters and pairing them up with a genius like Gerard Way. Like, I'm in. Like, I, I, had, to, I had to try it out, and so far it's paying dividends. Matt, you didn't read any Doom Patrol? I didn't. I wanted to. It's Be- neat. It's neat. Yeah, I'm interested in the Young Animals imprint. Um, Anim- animal, singular. Young Animal imprint, but I uh, haven't read any of them yet. There is a lot to keep up with uh, now that uh, we're yeah. now that we're producing comic books at a clip of two per month per title. If you um, go on mcsauce.com and read um, my latest pull list review, I talk a little about the burden that is DC's bi-weekly release schedule. Got to keep up with Marvel, right? Is, is Marvel doing bi-weekly? Yeah. I Are mean, on, on some things, yeah. Yeah, it's um it's 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 cumbersome. <laughs> it's a it's a burden. Like I like is my, and I what's nice is the books are good. Like I've I I've gotten a lot of the rebirth books. They're all on the right path, but fuck. That's the problem. They're all other, they're all good books, every but other yet week. You have to determine which ones you're going to latch on to because you can't keep up with all of them financially and and I mean at some point there's only so many hours in a day to read comics I'm a big proponent of less is more less comics less TV episodes in a season give me a nice tight 10 episode season and I'm pretty happy that's what I want I would agree Uh, I especially feel that way about television um, you just t- want it done with ten or less. Well, hey, let's face it. Anything that has more than ten episodes has at least some amount of filler, and I abhor filler. Filler, You're all killer, and no filler. You could tell the Walking Dead season in eight episodes, but what are they like twenty three? I don't know. I watched the first episode of this past season, and then that that's been it. I haven't... You weren't compelled to watch more? It was just just too much misery. Just too too much. I, I can't. Yeah. I, didn't, didn't we talk about this? Didn't Did, we talk didn't about... Didn't we discuss the misery that is Walking Dead Prime? I think we... At this point. We did. And that if you want to get into a Walking Dead show, watch Fear the Walking Dead because the characters are more likable. It's less dour. It's less just grim and gritty. There's more hope. There's more positivity. Fear the Walking Dead is the Walking Dead show to watch. That's not me being contrary to you know, everyone stroking their dicks over Walking Dead Prime because it's so fucking amazing. You know what? Fuck Glenn. He had it coming. The best thing to come out <laughs> of the he? walking... I don't think he did. <laughs> it's heartless. The best thing to come out of the walking dead... Anybody watch Saturday Night Live this, this past week? Nobody watched the, a Saturday Night the Live. The Dave Chappelle walking dead skit was mwah, perfect. 
I didn't see that, but I, I did hear a story about Bradley Cooper being the only white guy at the White House, which yeah, is yeah. not the key fact that I should take away from that story he told, which isn't. I get it. Well, it was but a that shit was really funny. It was a BET party, and everybody was black except for Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Cooper. <laughs> so Dave Chappelle, Walking Dead skit. Yeah, um, just to run through it real quick. He he's Negan, and <laughs> all the recurring characters from the Dave Chappelle show were the people sitting around that he was, yeah. you know, eeny meeny miny mo. Um, so it was, funny. you know, Silky Johnson, uh, the white reporter, <laughs> uh, the, uh, red balls, crack fiend, all good stuff. <clears throat> Highly recommend on YouTube. How do we, how do we stray from <laughs> doom patrol to walking dead? I don't know. I feel like Matt's responsible. <laughs> I might be, but. Well, I'll bring us back. I'll bring us back. I also read some comic books this week. Um, I I read some diverse comic books. Um, the first one that I read, uh, actually, uh, you know what? Yeah, I'll talk about that one because it, it might have been the most interesting. It was a, a book... <laughs> um, that I bought based on the imprint on the cover of the comic book, uh, hard case crime. Uh, you guys familiar with that imprint? It's on novels. It's like a throwback to, um, those old pulp style novels from like the forties and fifties. No, I don't think so. Um, that logo. I no, I, I, no, it's a, it's like a little flag with a, with a gun on it that is wearing a crown. Uh, Hard Matt case crime a book called Peepland. So this comic book is called Peepland, and Paul, you'll like it because uh, very first page. Guess what's on it? Is it a peep? Peepers. Uh, yeah, two of them. A couple times. Titties. Can yep. I see? Can you hold hold it up for the audience? Is it an X-rated comic? See, that's why you bought it, though. Ta-tas. You fucking dirty fuck. <laughs> don't like you did you like how he got all highbrow with us and he was like maybe you've heard of it i don't know it's this old school thing and you, you might not know it's, you might not be aware of it or you know it's well not, rounded in your reading habits it uh it, it's not an old school thing it it's a it's a throwback right so it's made to feel like some kind of old uh some kind of old jerk magazine no like a like an old crime pulp novel that did have kind of uh you know questionable moral content characters that were kind of just (laughs) not squeaky clean to put it mildly um so this particular story it's called peepland and it's i believe it's an ongoing comic book series good art would you agree Yes, I would agree, but uh, I'm partial to butts and boobs. So, uh, the premise of the story uh, is that it takes place on Christmas Eve, and it features a woman that uh, that works in one of those nudie booths back in 1986, which I guess were probably a little more prevalent then than they are now, given... 
you can get a lot of that stuff just in the comfort of your home online, right? I think um, in the 70s and 80s, Times Square in New York City was a different place than it is now. And it was sort of like a, how do you say, a cesspool back then. Yeah. And these peep booths were everywhere. It was a thing that you did. From what I understand, right. I was six, so, so I don't know. So you didn't do that then. So uh, how old were you? How old were you when to. you did do the peep booth? You know what? I've never gone to a peep booth before. I feel like that's. I've done a lot of terrible things in my life, <laughs> but I feel like that's like that's just a step beyond what I want to do with myself. So uh, this particular comic book takes place in 1986, and um, the premise is a guy that um, basically makes porno videos. He's running through the streets, uh, uh, clearly running away from somebody, and he runs into the uh, establishment that has the peep booths. And he knows the girl that's working there, and he tells her, hide this tape. So she has no idea why. She hides the tape, uh, and he runs off, and he ends up being cornered on uh, the subway or well not on the subway but on the um, in the subway station and he's thrown in front of a subway train and he gets you know turned into uh, street pizza track subway, pizza subway pizza subway yeah. pizza which by the way uh, are they ever gonna bring that back at subway I think that they still have that is that still a thing yeah they weren't too bad really uh, it I mean, terrible. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, for three-minute pizza, it's not that bad. But anyway, uh, then basically the rest of the story, you kind of like learn who the characters are, and there's other characters that are related to that main girl. Um, you know, there's like another peeper. I know she's not the peeper. She she's the pee pee. She's a pee pee. Uh, and uh, <laughs> she, her friend has another friend who uh, has kind of a subplot where they um, go and, and rob like a pawn shop. So like a lot of deplorables in, in this particular episode or don't, this don't say particular that. Don't use that uh, kind of language. What? Deplorables. Uh, oh, yeah, that's that's the d- d- divisive language. But they are. They're they're not really good people. But you also see, you know, the side of uh, this main girl, like outside of her job, which you know is is a pretty gross job. But she ends up going home to her. I think it was her grandfather or something, and um, she has to take care of him. He's really ill, and it's like on Christmas Eve. So they did a really good job of like creating a setting that is just like kind of it's kind of miserable, you know. It's like super depressing. It, yeah, kind of. Um, and uh, is it okay if I spoil the ending of the comic book? Like it's it's an ongoing series, or will you guys be reading? Pete will Land? it affect us jerking off to it? <laughs> no. Like, will this ruin our, our no? Orgasm? So the the reason you know why it's not going to the reason why the guy was running away with the tape is because he was making a porno, and in the porno in the background he inadvertently filmed 
a guy murdering a woman, like strangling her. And uh, once he realized what he had, I guess the murderers realized he had it and they were after him. And um, so he ended up being killed, but he got the tape into the hands of a friend who she eventually at the end of the episode watches the, uh, the tape and she's like, holy shit. So now, you know, she knows what's going on. And so I don't know what's going to happen next, but it was good. I really enjoyed it. And you know, uh, extra bonus was the peepers, uh, the peepees, the peepees, the peepers are the, the guys jerking. Well, off. it was the peepers on the peepees. If you know what I mean? No, the peepers, you're are the peep guys it? jerking off. Yeah. Right. The PP. The PPs. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Right. We're on. We're on. So, anyway, it's good. Uh, I'd recommend it if you guys want to read it. Matt, Be my guest. Uh, you give it two lotion pumps or five lotion pumps? Uh, it's a two lotion pumper. Um, it's it's definitely more R-rated than X-rated. Um, Who uses lotion anymore? What do you use? Haven't we all evolved past that? I don't know. Tell me. Tell me. Nothing. Really? Yeah. Raw dog, huh? That's right. Holy fuck. You're a monster. Talented. Matt, looking through the artwork in this book, I feel like you have higher artwork standards. Well, typically, yeah. I mean, I I thought it had good artwork. I don't think it's great by any means, but for a book... I'll tell you what Matt liked about it, because I'm going to interrupt him right now. Energy. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt No, it did have that. I think it, it... it wasn't as polished as I would normally like my comic books to be, but um, for a comic book of this nature, for a, a publisher called Titan Press or whatever, who the fuck is that? And yet, I, I thought feel that like it was got pretty balls putting out a book for three ninety nine. I thought that the production value on it was quite high. Uh, but honestly, no kidding. The thing that first attracted me to this particular comic book was that little hard case crime imprint. Really? Well, I read um, a book. Uh, was it last summer? I get. Yeah, it was not this past summer, but the summer before. I read a book called uh, Joyland. I guess it has to end in land if it is falls under this imprint. So Joyland was a, a book by Stephen King, which had kind of a pulpy kind of vibe to it, fell under the same imprint, but uh, it was a novel. And, and this imprint typically does novels, but just recently they started getting into comics. Uh, there's another one called Trigger Man, which takes place in like, it looks like the, you know, early 1900s, maybe 1920s, no later. Um, and it looks kind of mobster like with, you know, guys in suits with Tommy guns. Would it be more attractive to you if it was called Trigger Man Land? Trigger Land? Trigger Man. I was thinking Trigger Man Land. Trigger Man. (laughs) Uh, no, it's, it's fine. Are you sure? Yeah. Trigger Man Land. I like it better. I actually bought that one too. I haven't read it yet. Okay. So Matt, what this book does remind me of is, um. A buddy of ours at work had a lot of original, um, he brought in a lot of original pencil artwork. Yeah. Um, Not for anything of any note, not for any comic books that anyone would know. But he brought in some full page. Uh, One was the Undertaker comic book, actually. Okay. 
uh, I'm sure our friends from Chaos, uh, Chaos Comics Point would will know exactly what we're talking about. But yeah, he had uh, some pages of original artwork, and I'm sure if we bought the final Undertaker artwork issue, we would look at it and would would turn our noses up as the comic book snobs we are. We, ugh, come on! But looking at that, looking at just the pencil artwork for those pages, both of us were like, "Holy shit! This is the Undertaker comic, right? And this shit is good, right?" And since we had that conversation. Every time I look at a comic book page now, I've got a book of I've got a stack of nine, nine DC image Marvel comic books right. in front of me right now. Um, some from uber talents, names in the field, some from up and comers. But every time I look at one now, I think, how awesome must this page look, bare bones, when right. it's just the pencils because. That experience we had like really lit lit a perspective inside me of what what the pencilers really put down when they're making these books. And that's what that's what Peepland reminded me of. Because there's a couple pages and you know, maybe it's just really goofy color. Maybe, you know, some inks are, you know, heavier other places where they should be, but when it comes down to it, I look at this stuff and I'm like, Yeah, like I can critique it, but I can't draw this. Yeah, it you know what one of the things I liked about it actually was I kind of liked the sense of humor to it too now it it was kind of a dour and kind of kind of a bummer of a storyline like these just people with kind of shitty lives on Christmas it just makes it extra depressing right um and yet there's there's a moment when like the the very first time we're introduced to the main character, it's like some business dude that goes into the peep booth, and he and he jerks it for the first time, and uh, like it, you do at at the end of one of the pages, the final panel on one of the early panels or pages, uh, she pokes her head out of the curtain and she go, as the guy's walking away, she goes maintenance. <laughs> I think that's so funny. I. I think it's just funny. swapping is usually pretty humorous. <laughs> it, you just don't see that in too many comic books these days, and I like that this particular uh, this particular publisher was willing to go there. Yeah, I didn't get any jizz humor in the latest Justice League. It's a bummer, or even Nailbiter, which which goes the distance on it, uh, horror and gore. It actually the the art in this to me isn't isn't all that dissimilar to like a um uh maybe a trad more the strange tale Luther that. Strode that's what I kind of thought of it as well yeah it doesn't have the exaggeration but or the polish um maybe not but I I, I just like get it has the sense the spirit of it though like, it kind of does yeah. And and you know what, Paul? You said the goofy colors. I I think the colors are part of what sells it. Like you go into all the sequences in the in the nudie booth place and I everything. Goof, I meant goofy isn't. It sometimes maybe you know the coloring isn't as good as it should be. The uh, colors kind of actually. I think the coloring from a visual fidelity standpoint is the best part of the comic book. I do. I th- I think the coloring is better than the pencils and the inks. 
Interesting. Actually, the cover's pretty fucking sweet. I don't know who did this cover, but anyway, uh, that was one of the things that I read. Um, Matt, I'm glad you're keeping with uh, the Macassau High tradition of finding the most obscure fucking book at your comic shop and coming to talk about it. Would you prefer if I just talk about the new Iron Man? Um, yeah, but we're I think we're running short on time. Because I really feel like I need to talk about the new Iron Man. Do it quickly. When do we start this? Where are we at? What's our time? 53 minutes. You've got seven minutes. I read the new Iron Man. Welcome welcome to this this week's Grievances with Matt Casal, by the way. <laughs> Actually, I... Oh, I'm man. not fucking kidding. This is for real. What? Grievance oh. with Matt Cassell. No, 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 no. I, I actually did have a planned grievance, but um, so as everyone probably knows, uh, I am not a big fan of diversity. Um, what women? I'm not well, a big woman. Is really? I'm not a big fan of altering not today's America existing characters arbitrarily. Right. Uh, and making them go away to push a new character. Because, I look, I like these characters because I like these characters. I don't want imposters. So I somewhat begrudgingly bought the Invincible Iron Man. That is the title of this comic book. Um, and uh, in the bottom right, it says Riri Williams is Ironheart. And it has a picture of uh, Riri Williams in her Ironheart uh, armor, which is awfully reminiscent of Iron Man. You'd probably think it was Iron Man because at the very top on the masthead, it says the invincible Iron Man. I don't know. I can't get past Riri Williams. So, uh, Riri... Didn't they have a better name for her? No. Well, it's, it's tough because, you know, when I was a kid... A re-re was referred to as a retard. See, this is Trump's America. Just <laughs> loose language coming back. <laughs> Can I get to call someone a fag again, please? Uh, clear, clearly, you can say whatever you want. The green light. Is, it's all green. Um, but... Uh, Riri Williams. So I wasn't I wasn't gonna get it. I, we talked about the new Marvel now uh, several episodes ago, and we were all pretty harsh about what the fuck is this shit? A girl Iron Man? Like, wh- where's re- the real Iron Man? Well, apparently the real Iron Man's dead. I'm assuming he died in Civil War Two. I didn't read it, but I didn't read it either. But I'm assuming. Yeah, because in this comic book, he doesn't exist anymore. So um, wait, did you read that comic? Yes. Did they talk about him dying in there? They said that he is no more or something like that. They didn't. Maybe I he don't, just retires. Eh, I I'm made to believe. Well, let me see if it says in the beginning <clears throat> or somewhere. Um, I, I'm made to believe that that Iron Man uh, is dead. Uh, for now. For now. I don't know. New Marvel. Yeah. Marvel doesn't give a fuck about what Trump wants. Do they not? Or did yeah. did the It says here the Invincible the Avenger Iron Man is CEOs no more. Marvel donate to Trump's um, campaign. 
because he totally did. Who did? The CEO. And of now Apple. he's gone, and I have his Who's arm. That? I forget who it is, but they donated to Trump's oh, campaign. Oh no! Who did? The CEO. Kevin of Feige. Marvel, not Marvel Studios. <laughs> Don't make me not fucking watch movies. All right. Well, when I read that, I was super happy because I'm like, well, I'm already boycotting Marvel. All right. So, um, anyway, yeah, according to this, uh, she says, Riri Williams says, um, the Invisible Avenger Iron Man is no more. Uh, I was just getting over the fact that he even knew my name and now he's gone and I have armor. Um, I'm supposed to be Iron Man now? Me? That's insane. But, but honestly, I wish Tony Stark was here. He wasn't done yet and... And then she kind of gets cut off. Um, but so, then he shows up. He's the AI of her. Yes. So the whole uh, the whole issue, um, she keeps talking about, you know, I need AI. I need good AI. Because it seems like this shitty suit that she has, which looks like the original Iron Man suit, like from back in the 60s. Old shell head. Yeah. Um, she keeps, like, saying, I need better AI. And it seemed like the AI that she had was basically Siri. And... Um, at the very, very end, uh, someone in a suit drops off some kind of package for her and, uh, it ends up being basically Tony Stark's consciousness. And, um, I guess that's going to be implemented into her suit. Um, it, the reason why I bought it was because I thought the artwork was really, really, really good. Um, it looked to me a lot like Amy Reader, if you guys are familiar with Amy Reader, the mm-hmm. artist. Um, she's excellent. What uh, else did Amy Reader do? Amy Reader does the covers for that Cadillacs and Dinosaurs thing from oh, okay. Marvel. Yeah. Uh, she, but the thing that she did was Rocket Girl for Image. Um, and she did another one, um, like a one-shot Halloween, Halloween-type book, which was basically... Um, like, like a Christmas Carol, but told in like a Halloween type way, um, more, more contemporary too. But um, she's a really good artist, and uh, the artist in this, uh, Stefano Caselli. Oh, I know that person. Um, very very talented, very good art. So he basically, do um, did like old like remember whenever Marvel would have children's Spider-Man books. Do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yep, yep. I think that's where uh, okay. um, it well, started. In, in this, um, this basically kind of tells her origin, the girl, Riri Williams' origin. She was a super genius, kind of a prodigy child. Um, had to always be reminded by her stepdad that, you know, things are beautiful outside of, you know, working on your inventions and things like that, like experience life. So you don't shut yourself out to it. And, um, you know, she befriends this other girl and, um, kind of gets to the, to the character part of the character. And then they show kind of the tragedy strike, which turns all gifted people into heroes. And, um, it was good. I, I really did enjoy it. Uh, it was written by Brian Michael Bendis, who um, is really hit and miss. And when he hits, he hits really well. But sometimes uh, when he misses, his uh, words become a little bit like cumbersome. And you can just like, I don't know. I've, I've always felt like you can really tell when he's really loving his own dialogue. And 
who else is guilty of that is Kevin Smith, actually. But um But anyway, I, I quite enjoyed this. Uh I, I don't know why Ironheart isn't across the top and instead You know why Ironheart's not across the top. Why, Paul? Because Iron Man sells books. But Iron Man know it's not who Iron, Iron Man's Man book. is. It's not Iron Man's book. It doesn't it's, matter. Iron it's Man Riri sells Williams books. Book. Iron Heart is like, is this a Silverhawks joint? You know what else sells books? Spider-Man. Why don't they fucking put Spider-Man across the top? Or the X-Men. Well, they Why may as called- well because it's not any of those characters. That's what I'm saying. That's my point. Right. They're doing something different than I thought. Um, now, granted, I haven't read Marvel proper um, in a while. I started reading Champions, but that doesn't really touch on what happened to Tony Stark. I figured Riri Williams was going to be a supporting character in a Tony Stark book. And they were just... Marvel was just hyping like they do to be like, yay, yay, we're diverse. This is what we do. Um, but eh, looks like maybe they're really taking Tony Stark out of the equation for a while. When you said yay, yay, I heard it like Ice Cube, like yay, yay. So, <laughs> so that's, that's how I meant it. Um, I I begrudgingly bought this comic book. I I went in ready to hate it, but love the artwork. But I enjoyed it and I'm going to buy the second one I still hate the fact that it's not called Ironheart I would feel so much better about it if it was called the name of the character that is starring in the comic book yeah I love this art dude this this is really great it, it was a good comic book it really was a good first issue um, this character seems interesting it's kind of like a teenage Iron Man you know like uh I don't know. Um, I don't know what else to say without spoiling it, but... Uh, Bendis is really good at writing teenagers. Yeah, right. Like, we're talking, you know, kind of like um, Ultimate Peter Parker, you know? Ultimate Iron Man? Is that what we're getting with this book? Um, I don't... No, no, no. I wouldn't say that, because she's a completely different character, but with Peter Parker um, in the Ultimate Spider-Man comic book that Bendis did, that was really well-written. Like, I felt like the dialogue between the kids was maybe a little bit unbelievable, a little bit too perfect and polished, but... um, I still felt like he captured some of that angst pretty well. Um, but anyway, uh, that's another one I got to recommend. I did read a th- uh, another one. I'm sure that we can't get into it, but um, but it was another Marvel book. So I was like all marveled out this week. Um, yeah, you read uh, Invincible Iron Man. Yeah. And you were out. No, no, no. I read more than that. Um, so, uh, can I very quickly get to my grievance? Quickly. Something I realized this weekend when I was out and about. I was at a movie, and uh, and I kept hearing uh, an old person cough with one of those overly phlegmy, like, just, just guttural, like, coughs that... that it's a mixture of a wheeze and and fluid, you know, kind of like all rumbling in the bottom of their throat. 
Um, and it was constant. There was no escaping it, right? You're in the movie theater and it just kept happening. But I hate those coughs. Those are the kind of coughs that I'll hear and I'll gag. They're so disgusting. <laughs> like, and I don't See, mean like I fake love gag. But like, for real, like I'm going to throw up. That is so gross sounding to me. <laughs> That's my favorite. When and Matt's sitting in the theater by himself going, oh. That's exactly oh. what happened. That is ex- oh. That's exactly what happened. It is a disgusting <laughs> thing. If that's somebody, what you're like, somebody stay else's home. podcast is like, you know what I hate when you go to the movies and some fucking idiot dry heaves in front of you. Oh. Oh. <laughs> ah, that makes me laugh. <laughs> could could be uh, a well, movie are, theater are just you mad? Are you mad cuz it's like it's, it's an old person thing, and you're like, just, you know, once you reach a certain age, you should just be put out of your misery so you don't have that uh, happen I You know what? Or are you like, I, you know what, maybe, I'm sorry you're having a hard time there, pal. I mean, in reality, the lights were out, so I couldn't put, like, a face to the cough. All I heard was that awful sound. And granted, I don't even know if they were old, but I know they were old. Yeah. I know they were old. Um, this particular movie had lots of old people at it. Was it um, that Mel Gibson movie? Yeah. 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 Hacksaw Ridge. They wanted to remember a, a simpler time. Yeah, they did. So Nostalgia. That's why they went to see but, that movie. But anyway, that, that sound is... Like that. Yeah, that sound is really, really rough. It really is. It's just... I think if you guys had heard it, you would have also been pretty grossed out. I love that it makes you want to vomit. That's my favorite thing about this story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's my grievance. That's going to do it for tonight. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, please come back next week, and please donate to Toys for Tots. Send us a note when you post something to the Facebook page or the PayPal that you want a commission if you donate. $50 what you would like your commission to be. We can't read your mind. Uh, so please, let's get into the Christmas spirit, the holiday spirit. Let's start donating to this great cause. Uh, that's going to do it for tonight. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Cassell. We'll see you next time.